We are um, talking about Christmas. We've been trying to do some sermons that hopefully look at things a little differently, uh, cause us to to look with a different view on certain passages. And and I want to talk about one today, although it's the day after Christmas, but this is kind of looking towards the effects and the long-term implications of of what Christmas is all about. And I entitled it The Promise. It's from Luke 1, 39 to 45, and I'm going to read that for you right now. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. You know, as human beings, one of the unique things about us is that we can make promises. We, ob- we operate on obligation. This is something that is not, no one, nothing else can do. No, no other animal can do. We have, we have statements of obligation. We call them promises. And some are very explicit. You say, I love you. You say, I promise. I, I, just switching it over. <laughs> These don't always connect. I promise to pay you this. You know, it's basically you're working on a promise when you work a job. You have an employer who says, you do this, this, this. I promise you, I will pay you for that. Our world works on this. This is how things operate. And what happens if someone starts breaking those promises? You go, I'm not working here anymore. Someone starts breaking those promises. I can't have this kind of a relationship with you and a friendship or whatever it is with you. You you can't be trusted. And so some are very explicit. We, we, we pronounce them. Some are more implicit, but I, I was thinking, um, I had my grandsons over. Yes, I'm going to talk about my grandsons again. I had my grandsons over, and, and uh, four and six, seven, four and seven, and um, first thing one of them said to me is, can we go up in the attic and wrestle? Sometimes we go up in the attic, and we have, a, we have an inflatable bed, and I inflate it, and then we WWE it all for hours, an hour and a half, two hours long on that with some big stuffed animals and various things, you know, and we do elbow drops and knee, you know, everything. And he said, can we go up and do it? I said, we can't go right now. I said, Caleb, I promise you this morning we will wrestle in the attic. Yes, yes, right? Pops promised it. We're going to do it. So that's a very explicit promise. It's something you vocalize. Now, there are promises that are implicit, this is, this is totally how parenting works, right? You are committed to the well-being of your child, and you don't have to articulate to that child all these promises. I promise to feed you. I promise to clothe you. I promise. Those are implicit in being a parent. So there's explicit promises, and there's implicit promises, and that's how things work. You're committed to a child, say, their well-being. They're flourishing, You would lay down your life for that child. You may not exactly tell your child that, because I was always afraid if I told my children I would die for you, they would want to see it work. They would test me on that one, you know, and then I would either be dead or I'd be like, psych, you know, I just, that's how it goes. So there's implicit and there's explicit promises. The question is, do we keep our promises? Sometimes yes, 
Sometimes no. And this passage we just read is full. It's built on promises. It's all about promises. Ones that were made recently to Mary and Elizabeth and ones that have been made a thousand years ago to the people of Israel by God. So it's all about these promises. And Mary and Elizabeth are now responding to those promises. They're depending on them. They're linking them to their situation. They're saying, if this is true, what are the implications for me in this situation? That's what's going on there. And for a long time, the Jews had waited for the Messiah. They'd waited for the promised one. Some of them had decided that it was naive and foolish. It was not going to happen, especially the Sadducees, a main party, a main block of people in, 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 uh, in the Jewish faith there. They decided it was a superstition. It was naive. It was myth. There's no afterlife. There's no, none of this is going to happen. But some believed, and they waited, and they looked for the signs. And there were a lot of different signs. But here we have two women waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled, holding on to hope. That's why this first, it's, it's the last part of that little passage, but blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Elizabeth says that to Mary. She says, you are blessed. You are blessed. Why? Because you believe. You believe God's going to fulfill his promises. Now, that's a statement we can take. Blessed is he. Blessed is she, everyone here, everyone listening, everyone in the world. Blessed is the person who believes that the Lord will fulfill his promises. That is a blessed situation to be in, and you will be blessed for it. The person who believes and trusts God's promises will be blessed. That applies to all of us. We have to hold on to that. We have to think about that. So as we think about it, let's say, let's look at this, the impact of God's promises on people. Now, I touched on this. So what is a promise? And this is not a a Bible definition, a dictionary definition. This is my definition. It's a declaration to do something or to refrain from doing something. That's simply what a promise is at its barest minimum, at the core of a promise. And only a person can make a promise. It is saying, based on this, it is saying, you have the right to expect me to deliver on this promise. I am committing to this specific act that will yet unfold in the future. Promises are always looking forward. I will yet unfold in the future a specific thing, and you can trust me on that. And inherent in the idea of a promise is this idea that there is some difficulty involved in this promise. There always is some difficulty involved in a promise. It just happens that way. When we say to a child implicitly, I'm committed to you flourishing. I'm committed to your well-being. I'm committed to loving you, the totality of your life. That's not easy. It's not easy. When I say to my grandchildren, I will go into the attic and wrestle with you, I know I will get some bruises. I know that there's a chance one of them (laughs) came close, absolutely lose control of themselves, and maybe bite me or hit me. That does happen sometimes. And so every once in a while, in the middle of the wrestling, I stop, and we stop for a second. I tell them, I'm so tired, we got to catch our breath. And then I say, let's calm down, don't lose control. 
Lyndon, I saw what you were about to do. Don't do that. See, promises involve difficulty. That's how it works. God makes promises from the very start. He promised Abraham through all the nations of the world. You will be blessed. You will bless all the nations of the world. That's a promise to you. We saw, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this, and, and I, I know, you know you've heard it, but this whole Genesis 49.10, where it talks about how the scepter, the, the, this, this key part of being Jewish in Judea, for Judah, they will have it until Shiloh comes. And, and, and the rabbis identified Shiloh as the Messiah, and they said once the, once the scepter's taken away, the, uh, the Messiah comes. And we know, interestingly, not from biblical sources. We know from the Babylonian Talmud, from the Jerusalem Talmud, we know exactly when that happened. Josephus, the historian, he wrote about exactly when it happened. Around 30, give or take a few years, 30 AD, the scepter was taken away. And so that means Shiloh, the Messiah, had to appear at that time. And he did. And he did. Promise made, promise kept. So that's what's going on there. Creating a promise creates a point of predictability in a world that is unpredictable. You're saying, this is something you can count on. You're saying, here's a place of safety. Here's a place of refuge. Here's a place of protection. A promise gives you a degree of safety and refuge and protection. It gives you predictability when everything's going crazy. That's why, if you really think about it, it's an incredible thing to make a promise. The world becomes a safer place when promises are made and promises are kept. Because promises inherently drive out fear. My grandson's number one fear is that we weren't going to get to wrestle. I promised him. And then he wasn't fearful anymore. He wasn't afraid. He said, okay, okay. I don't have to be afraid. Pops promised. We're going to do it. Mary and Elizabeth decided they were going to live in light of these promises. God had said, one day I'll make a new covenant. One day I'll write my laws on their hearts. One day I will forgive their sins and remember them no more. I'm going to bring a whole new level of forgiveness, and I'm going to break the curse. God promised this. Elizabeth received a promise. She was long past her ability to conceive. Her body, in essence, had decayed past that point. And God said, I'm going to reverse the decay. And then to Mary, the the part of this story that we all know so well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to conceive a child. It's going to be the promised one. It's going to be the redeemer. It's going to be the deliverer. All those promises long ago. I'm keeping them. All that waiting and waiting. Crazy promises. Outlandish promises. We know from the biblical record, we know Mary struggled with these promises. She said to the angel, I don't think this is how these things work. How could this possibly be? She voiced some doubt. The angel told her, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, just as we talked about. And she who is, who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. She's showing. For no word from God will ever fail. Promises made, promises kept. This is what's happening here. 
And so what happens? Mary's hearing these outlandish promises. She's saying, how can this be? And the angel tells her, your sister already, she couldn't conceive. Now she, she's your, your cousin. She's six months. So what does Mary do? At that time, literally in that moment, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. You know, I used to think long ago that Mary, somehow Mary was told to go see Elizabeth, but you notice she wasn't told to go see Elizabeth. She was told, you're struggling here, we can t- I can tell. So here's, here's some proof for you. Go visit. She's six months pregnant, pregnant and Mary goes right away because she's still struggling with this. She's sitting here, she's thinking, hmm, I can check this one right this moment. I can confirm this. I think I'll go take a look. See, I'm going to want to check this out. See, believing can be hard. Mary had just seen an angel. She still struggled with doubts, just like we would in the same situation. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among the women, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, the mother of my God, should come to me? The baby leaped in her womb. It responded to the Holy Spirit. It's an interesting thing. Um, for, for a lot of the early Christians, as they fought for the lives of, the, of, of little children and unborn, this is a verse they looked at, where an unborn child responded to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth then is filled with the Spirit, and she realizes how incredible this moment is. So she says, who am I that I should receive this blessing? Who am I that I should receive this blessing? This is one of those things we talked about uh, last week and the week before. When light comes, light exposes our humanity. It exposes our failures. What's happening here? The light is shining. Elizabeth is seeing it, and she's saying, I don't deserve this. Light exposes our inadequacy. There's a reason why John commands us to walk in the light so that we keep remembering we are just human beings. We are sinful people. We fail, we break promises. And this is what's going on here. The light revealed this. She realizes the promise of redemption is happening right in front of her. And she's saying, I don't deserve this. So the impact of God's promises on people, especially those two, how do we keep the promises of God real to us? Because the promises of God can easily fade in our minds. The faithfulness of God can easily fade. We need to rehearse. We need to remind ourselves of what God has said to us. Why? Because we can get distracted. The world can distract. Here's what really matters. These are the things that really count. It's easy to get fooled when we're not on our guard. Like like Mary and Elizabeth, we need each other, reminding each other, encouraging each other. Because here's the thing. A lot of people say, I heard, I was talking to a guy one time, and he just said, I don't believe all that. I'm not spiritual. I'm not a spiritual person. And my, my retort was, yes, you are. You are a spiritual person. You're just being formed by other things. 
but it's all happening on a very spiritual, a very, in a sense, emotional level. We're all being spiritually formed by promises. It's either the promises of the world or it's the promises of God. The world makes promises like this. Here's the way to freedom. Over here, here it is. This is the way to freedom. This is the way to joy. This is the way to meaning. This is the way to purpose. This is the way to life. I, I always remember when I was a kid, Ford had this Thunderbird commercial. And I was kind of into cars and motorcycles and racing and all that kind of stuff. And, and this Thunderbird, I thought, oh, that new Thunderbird. I've heard it's got a big V8. You know, I wonder what the horsepower is. Blah, blah, blah. There, that commercial told me nothing about that. That commercial had a Thunderbird sitting on a runway with a beautiful model sitting behind the wheel. And the camera comes in from the driver's side, the passenger side window. So you're looking across there and she goes, come fly with me. That's what they told you about the Thunderbird. That's not, that's not what I needed to hear, right? And then the car just starts going down, and there's, there's smoke, you know, and everything, and it just rises into the air and flies. What's going on there? They're going, we know the majority of the people who are watching this are not interested in how many horses are under the hood, right? They're not interested in the zero to 60 time, the quarter mile time. They're not interested in top speed. And I'm going, yes, 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 I am. But I'm not their target demo because I was 18 and had no money, Right? So what is it saying? It's saying, you get this Ford Thunderbird. Beautiful women are going to ride in the car with you. That's what's going to happen. They're going to go, come fly with me, like that, right? With all the hair I don't have, (laughs) right? That's what's going on. That's what the world tells us. The world says, here's life. Here's life. Here's meaning. Here's joy. Here's purpose. So we're all being spiritually formed. It just, the question is, what's forming us spiritually? What's forming us? The world makes all kinds of promises. The question is, whose promises are we believing? Practically speaking, how do we do this? One great way, at least for me, one great way is to pray the promises of God. To sometimes think about what God has promised, and it's easy to find. And pray them, pray God's word right back to yourself. Not just asking for things and wishing for things. Boy, at Christmas time, that really is that's what's going on. But it's taking seriously the promises that God has made for us, using the Bible like a prayer book. You say you'll complete this work that you started in me, God. Okay, I want you to complete it. You've promised that life is more than what we wear. And what we eat, so I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and not worry so much about those things. You promise that if we seek life our way, we will never totally find it. But you promised that if we seek you, we will find the life we've been looking for. We will find life if we seek you. You've promised that. God, I'm going to do that. I want to do that. You've promised that nothing can separate me from your love, even though sometimes I'm suspicious of that. But you say not even our sin can separate us from your love. I'm going to believe that. 
You promised that you would never leave us or forsake us. I'm going to believe that. You promised that someday we would have a crown of life. You promised that those who cry out for justice, you will work. You promised that one day pain and suffering and mourning and death and tears will end. I'm going to believe that. You promised that you're going to send Jesus back again. I'm going to believe that. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Whenever we pray like that, when we're alone or when we're with others, it strengthens us. It gives life to us. It shapes us. When we listen and believe the promises of the world, it shapes us. And when we listen to, believe, and pray the promises of God, it shapes us. The question is, who are we going to be shaped by? Not, are we going to be shaped? It's happening. Who are we going to be shaped by? And then we change. We become a particular kind of people. People that are changing and people that are changing the world around us. So the impact of God's promises on people... How do we keep the promise of how do we keep the promises of God real to us? And then how do the promises of God, how are they going to shape us? How does that work? As we become more aware of God and his purposes, as we become more aware, praying God's, praying God's promises, we become more aware of his great love for us. We become more aware of his service to us, how he has served us. And then we respond. Mary and Elizabeth, they responded. They followed through on God's promises. Elizabeth named her son John and, 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 and helped raise him to be this prophet that was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Mary, at Jesus' dedication, was prophesied to. And one of the hardest parts of it was saying, a sword will pierce your soul. You will suffer in this, Mary. This will not be easy. Following God can be hard at times. Life is not always easy. We know that. There is more to life than just me. And there are things in this world that are bigger than my comfort. I have to grapple with that. Mary had to grapple with that. A prophet prophesied to her concerning her baby and told her some great things and then told her a sword will pierce your heart. This is what's coming. Mary and Elizabeth promised themselves to the God who promised himself to them. And we need to be like them. We need to remind ourselves of the promises of God that shapes us and makes us into promise keepers and promise makers. You know, in Jesus' day, the, the Pharisees had crafted this hierarchy of promises. You could swear by different things, and each one had a different weight to it. So some were more solemn than others. And so, so they had, and it's, you, you can, it's in, the, in, in, in the Gospels, where they will say, well, this promise is, you can break this one. It's not to the right. It's not that important. You can break that one. But this one's more important. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. He says, you're, you're making up these wacky rules for this stuff. Just be a person who makes and keeps promises. David said in Psalm 15, one of the ways we become 
one of the people of God is by being a person who makes a promise even when it's painful, even when it hurts to fulfill it. There's a great little theological book out there. It's an easy read. You can pick it up. It doesn't cost very much. Um, it just has an interesting little story. Um, it's Horton hatches the egg, right? And it says, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant, and ele- elephant's faithful 100%. And so we need to be those kind of people. But we know we struggle. We know we fail. We break our promises sometimes. We break our faith sometimes. And this is where we fall back on the promises God has made to us. Because the promises come full circle in this passage. And the, pro- the promise of a redeemer, the promise of a deliverer, the promise of a sacrifice, a person who will die for us, a sacrifice that's far more effective than the blood of bulls and goats. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 9 and, and, and chapter 10, there's this great, the, the writer goes through this great kind of explanation of this and saying, we had these sacrifices, but they weren't permanent. They were very temporary. They served as a reminder that we needed a greater sacrifice. They pointed, they all pointed to the greater coming sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They pointed to the day when through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we would find forgiveness. Think about that. All our failures, all our regrets, all our broken promises, they will not determine our identity. You are not that. If you look back on your life, whether your life's been long or your life's been short, and you just see, I've made so many broken promises. I've, I've, I've failed so many times. That does not determine who you are. Your life can change. The power of the Holy Spirit becomes real in our life when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, and we can change. We can be like Peter. You remember that? He just said, Jesus, forget about these other losers. I will die for you. And then not that long afterwards, a servant girl says, hey, aren't you? No. And he starts cursing, and he curses. There's a lot of theologians who believe that expression was he cursed the name of Jesus to show them how much he, he, he was not a follower of Jesus Christ. And that would seem like the ultimate betrayal. And Jesus comes and tenderly brings him back, shows him the forgiveness that's there for him. The freedom of forgiveness changed him from a poor fisherman into a great leader. And he's still in the business of doing that to people who will take his promises seriously. He's setting people free. The chains are broken. And now, we're waiting. Just like they were 2,000 years ago, we're waiting for a promise, the return of Jesus Christ. And some people, just like 2,000 years ago, some people say it's naive, and it's foolish, and it's a myth. Just like they did with Jesus the first time. But when we wait as the people of the promise, What happens? We are the people who bring life. We are the people who bring joy. We are the people who bring hope. We are the people who bring peace, not because of anything inherently good in us, but because we've been gifted with this message of the promises of Jesus Christ. 
as we learn to love God and serve God, we impact lives around us in big ways and in little ways. Tonight, some people are going to go and serve the homeless from our church. And in the morning, some people are going to go. They're going to go tonight. They're going to cook them dinner. They're going to feed them and give them a good night's sleep. And in the morning, we have people that will get there at 4.30 in the morning. They'll cook them breakfast. They'll get their stuff together to help them as they're leaving, feed them a good hot breakfast, and love on them. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. And that really is, it's, you know, it's, it's just tonight and tomorrow. We'll have another one coming up in March, but it's just tonight and tomorrow. But those are the ways that we can bring life and bring joy. This is, a, this is something, I mean, this is a cool thing. This is something that the churches of, on the peninsula have gotten together to make sure happens, that for six months out of the year, homeless people are not spending the night in the woods. They can have a hot dinner, a warm bed, and a hot breakfast. Why? Why? Because they don't deserve, no, they may deserve the situation they're in. I don't know. But that doesn't matter. They're created in the image of God. And because of that, they deserve something, things just as a human being. And we want to do that because we want to bring joy and life and hope and peace into people's eyes. And it's a cool ministry to be involved in. One, one night a week, every week, a doctor comes, a doctor and some nurses. They give checkups. They recommend, they prescribe medicine. One night a week, somebody who works for helping the homeless get shelter comes and they try to find homes. They try to find places these people can sleep on a permanent basis. One night a week, clothing comes to make sure they're well clothed, you know, for the, for the season. One night a week, every night of the seven days of the week, someone different comes, at least on most of the nights, someone different comes to meet the needs of people who have fallen through the cracks, who are just not something that anybody, most people would care about. And we want to be the people who care. We want to be the people who sacrifice. We want to be the people who love. Why? Because we have promises to hold on to, given by God directly to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, for your word. Thank you for the example of Mary and Elizabeth as they weighed these things in their minds, oftentimes difficult things, painful things. They both saw their child die. They both dealt, dealt with the issues of that. But they held on to the promises that you had a plan that was greater than they were. Father, help us to learn from these examples. Help us to be like Mary, to be like Elizabeth, to hold on to promises that will get us through, that ultimately we will see Jesus again. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.